this week's special VFX show as we look to the Oscars and the nominated films that are in the contention for the best VFX award. I guess along the way we'll probably discuss some of those best picture awards and some other things. Um, but yes, here we have our annual chance to look at the outstanding work done by so many artists in so many companies <clears throat> on so many great films. And I'm joined by two Matt. So this is going to get complicated. Um, Matt Wallen, how are you? Uh, I'm very good. Uh, happy to be here uh, as usual. Now, you're otherwise unchanged from your normal happy self, but our other Matt, Matt Leonard, uh, who's joining That's us. Me. Hi, Matt. Hi there. Um, has recently shifted uh, professional gears, so maybe we can establish where you are now. I am now at Industrial Light and Magic in Vancouver. Excellent. very exciting, to be honest. Yes. Now, obviously, you were at MPC, um, but we're not getting Matt, as we never would, to talk about um, stuff inside the uh, effects houses, of course. But, um, yes, it's great to have you uh, on board. And, of course, there are a bunch of films that um, that have been contributed to by both those great facilities. Before we get started, I just want to do a shout-out to a couple of people. Michael Scott, who's back on the scene a bit more, having had a horrific accident a while ago, and we're just so glad to see him. Uh, posting and stuff and doing stuff again. So it's great uh, for Michael. He's a great uh, friend of FX Guides and uh, we've known him for many years. And also shout out to my friend uh, Peter Webb, who may or may not be listening, who's uh, been in the wars a bit lately and uh, who uh, uh, I certainly hope um, takes uh, uh, every opportunity he can to get better. But uh, we're thinking of you, mate. Okay, so we're going to go into this year's uh, rundown of um, films. And I guess I need to ask you guys right out of the gate, is there... Um, were there surprises? Maybe, Matt, you want to take us through, like, like where are we at with who's in contention? Just a sort of a summary position. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, Deepwater Horizon, uh, Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Rogue One. So we had a bake-off um, that had a longer list. Um, and these Oscars, I think, are really interesting because they're in the shadow, if you like, of what happened at last year's uh, visual effects. Now, in last year's visual effects Oscars, we made all sorts of predictions and we thought that uh, it would be up between uh, Mad Max Fury Road, maybe, and uh, The Reverend. Um, and, uh, Matt Leonard, that wasn't how it played out. No, it was very surprising. I think it was... Um very good for Double Neg for their win for Ex Machina. It was obviously an amazing film, great visual effects, but not where I and probably quite a number of other people thought it was going to go. And in fact, from what I can remember, they themselves actually looked quite surprised. Yeah, I mean, there was terrific work done, for example, in Star Wars The Force Awakens um, and uh, great work, as we know, with the uh, the bear and the reverend. Um, the Martian, I thought, was a terrific film, but Mad Max Fury Road was the one that I'd pegged on, partly because it's Australian, partly because Andrew Jackson's <laughs> such a great guy, uh, but also because I just thought it was a sort of a remarkable film and it didn't feel like a sequel. It felt like kind of new turf and it had got a huge kind of reaction from both the fans and from the critics. And I just thought, Ekmakin, a great film like it. It just seemed like a smaller film and not on the same level of visual effects that we were seeing in some of the other films. But then they won. And I think this was a turning point for many people um, because it was like, well, have we got to a point now that you can no longer win a Oscar with a big budget film? Is it assumed now by the Academy that a big budget film can do whatever it wants and therefore we're going to give Oscars to those films that are creatively using visual effects in a kind of innovative, great storytelling way and we're going to shun the big films? Because let's face it, uh, Matt, actually, I don't know how I'm going to <laughs> split you guys. So, Matt Wallen, most of the <laughs> films that are up for best picture nearly always are not films that are 
blockbusters, big budget kind of films. Um, it's just traditionally the case that the things that play at the cineplexes aren't the things that go up for the Oscars in every category pretty much but visual effects where it's always been the case that these really big films like the Lord of the Rings films and everything else have, uh, have kind of dominated. So I guess right out of the gate, coming out of last year going into this year, Matt, do you feel like that is true or was last year a bit of a blip? Well, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I, it seems like a bit of a blip. And well, that's not totally true, though, because you think back to um, uh, what was the movie with the uh, I shouldn't remember the name of this, the polar bear, uh, you know, uh, that one for best Golden Bo- Compass. Golden Compass. Yeah, I thought I remember thinking that was kind of like the odd man out that year as well, although also really great work. But um, I don't know. I mean, because the whole. Um, uh, just the branch votes on the, um, uh, you know, the, at the Bake Off, but then the entire Academy uh, of Voters votes for the final award. Um, so I think you wind up getting, uh, you know, not just uh, what maybe, you know, people in the industry are thinking was the best visual effects of the year, but you're getting sort of a much broader swath of voters. Um, the largest, I think, is the actors branch. Um and so, you know, they're looking at it from, I'm sure, somewhat a visual effects point of view, but they're probably looking at it more holistically as a film and as a movie. And I mean, I thought Ex Machina was a great film and, um, you know, it was great to see it win. Was it the best visual effects of the year, you know, from an industry's standpoint, point of view? Like, I don't know. Like, but I, I would I would say, you know, awards and award shows, like, I mean, they're really fun and they're extremely, you know, uh, prestigious and, and can certainly have an effect on a movie's ability to make more money um, after winning an award. You know, there's a big business kind of component to the whole thing. But I think if you really want to look at, in terms of visual effects, like what films uh, get nominated, I think is really significant. But then also if you want to see, you know, a really uh, meaningful breakdown in terms of, um, you know, uh, accolades from peers, then I think the Visual Effects Society Awards are really worth looking at in that respect. Okay, well, well let's do that. Let's come back to the Visual Effects um, in a second uh, from the Visual Effects Society, the VES Awards, um, though they haven't been a, a particularly uh, good correlation necessarily with the Oscars, though I do agree with you, they're much more voted by, by industry. But Matt Vancouver, Matt, can I ask you, we had um, the Bake Off. So for, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows this, but we, we go into a Bake Off where um, 10 films are up for contention for going into the um, list that becomes the nominees. So at this Bake Off, everyone presents a reel and, um, and discusses their work briefly. Those 10 films, therefore, is kind of, you know, the short list. There were some interesting films that were on that list that obviously didn't get nominated everything everything couldn't, um, including things like Arrival that I actually thought would have beaten out, say, Deepwater Horizon to get through to the next round. Um, wh- what did you think of that of that uh, 10 bake-off list and were there any sort of surprises for you? I mean, the BFG, you know, I don't think it really hit the audience as well. Passengers didn't do so well at the box office, but I really thought that the Arrival had, had legs. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised. That, I mean, it was missing things like, obviously, Captain America was a huge movie and also Fantastic Beasts had some really nice work in it. So I I was slightly surprised by the list. Obviously there's Kubo, which I think is also in the animation awards as well, the yep. best animated yep. feature. So I was interested that that had made both categories. And I was thinking it, it could well win one of those. 
but it would have been nice maybe not to have had that in this category and maybe given it to something else, maybe Fantastic Beasts, maybe Captain America, I don't know. But definitely Arrival was, was a really interesting movie. I actually saw it very late. And um, as a family, we watched it again quite recently, and it is just a superb movie. And I think what we often look for is visual effects that support the story. And this obviously had some really good effects that that kind of made the story so much better. And it wasn't a big um, visual spectacle, but it was definitely effects that drew you into the story, which I think is something that everyone looks for. So I was surprised definitely that that wasn't in there. And maybe some of the others like Captain America, as I said, or Fantastic Beasts. Oh, I would yeah, have I mean, said uh, uh, like uh, I would have said that Arrival would would have been like this year's Ex Machina, you know, had it been nominated. Mm. It's kind of in that same arena in a way, and its effects that really, like you say, Matt, like really serve the story really well, and that are uh, that are so um, uh, not subtle, but that are they're not like necessarily the most groundbreaking effects that you might see in a film, but they're they're um, they're they're uh, so key to aspects of the story that I think it, it, if it had been nominated, it would be one that I'm sure many uh, Academy voters would have seen. Although, interestingly enough, uh, Amy Adams, too, wasn't nominated for her performance in that movie for Best Actress. And I, I saw some people talking about that, too, as being the one big uh, Oscar snub <laughs> um, of the year. People were talking about uh, her performance and thinking she should have been nominated for uh, Best Actress, too. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, Arrival was nominated for Best Picture, which is, you know, I mean, obviously there are 10 pictures in, in uh, contention these days for Best Picture, but nevertheless, um, while there are obviously less for visual effects, Arrival, I mean, if you look at the things for Best Pictures, you've got Arrival, Fences, um, uh, Hackshaw Ridge, uh, Hell or High Water, which I haven't seen, I must admit, Hidden Figures, I think is a great film, La La Land, uh, Lion, Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight. And so none of those are big films um, in the, you know, box office breakout kind of sense. So, but then again, I guess by your logic, um, those films are probably coming forward from the Academy on the similar grounds that the visual effects will be adjudged for its final award. But the to get from the bake-off to the actual... Um, nominees you're talking about industry people but again i would say that if you've got Deepwater horizon which is not again a big big film good great job by ilm don't get me wrong it just feels like arrival had the same um sort of look about it in terms of uh profile not visual effects that uh, that Deepwater did now yeah dr strange classic big kind of um effects film very well done and some really original stuff but of those ones that didn't make it, I've got to say that was the one that uh, that surprised me the most. Um, I guess Captain America um, could have also been there. Yeah, and there was great work in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So, you know. Okay, so let's get to, um, to Two Strings because that's the film that for me is the real sort of unusual one in, in best uh, visual effects because, as you say... Uh, it's being also um, set up in uh, in best animated film. Do we think that that's a problem? Do we think that's an issue? Do we think that that's um, unusual, or do we think that uh, the film I, is? I I kind of like that it's in there. I mean, if you, I, I haven't looked too much into the making of it, but I know it was obviously it was using a lot of the same techniques that these other movies are done. It's just a different style. So I like that it's there. One so you of the don't think you'd argue that it was practical effects more than visual effects? Like it yeah, felt like I, it old did school definitely, practical. 
Yeah, I mean, there was also, I guess, a lot of Houdini stuff in there that they were using. But I, one of the things I wanted to do, and I never had time before the show, was to see whether this has happened again, whether in the past we've had a movie that's been in both categories. And I was trying to just remember back. And has there been... The, the film that would have been is the um, Beauty and the Beast, but I don't think there was an animated feature category when Beauty and the Beast was up uh, okay. and it went up for Best Picture. Right, okay. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Do you know... Matt, not in Vancouver? <laughs> nah, you know, I don't know. I was just thinking that's a really interesting question, but I, I don't know offhand. Uh, I can't think of anyone, but... So, so I think that's the ring in. Like, I think that... I don't think if you're going to get an upset... Well, I don't know. Maybe I should just go around the table. So who do we think is going to win in Biz Visual Effects? And then I'm going to ask you who do you think should win, but who do you actually think is going to win? Like, just from the knowing that who's voting on it and where the... Um, where the sort of press is pointing, who do you think is going to win? Okay, I'm going to jump in. Um, I, I, I am pretty sure I'd put my dollars down for Jungle Book. Um, it was obviously an, a really early release in the year and um, I saw it then and just remember coming out staggered by how amazing it had looked. And then obviously there's a big gap between when it came out and now and I have seen it again and the work is superb. But obviously since then there's been other things and I've kind of been but swayed Matt, didn't by I, Didn't I see you post on Twitter something about, <laughs> I think it was you, that you thought it was going to win and then you saw something else and you said, yes. now I've seen that, I think it's no longer going to win. Yeah, I, I did in fact say that. And I, I you really hate that, that I follow you on Twitter right now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I came out of Doctor Strange thinking that is the first time for quite a long time that I can remember seeing something that staggered me. Really, a lot of the other stuff I've seen is like it's just it feels feels like just perfecting what we've already seen. But all the kaleidoscoping city stuff, even though it was very similar to the great work uh, Dineg did, obviously in Inception, I just thought this is something that that just visually looks amazing. So I I swung at that point and thought maybe for me um, I would like to see Doctor Strange win. Um, so that's what I'd l like to win. But I definitely think um, Jungle Book will win and probably deserves to win. Matt Wallen? Yeah, I mean, I would say Jungle Book uh, as well. I mean, to me, it's, it's uh, you know, if, if, uh, if it were up to me, like it would, it would go to Jungle Book because uh, I do think it actually is probably the one that deserves to win as well. I think it's the most um, uh, technically the most sophisticated achievement uh, in visual effects this year, uh, certainly of the the five movies nominated. I, I will say though that like, I just as like a weird kind of, uh, you know, emotional attachment, like it, it's hard not to, to want to say it would be fun to see Rogue One win, uh, just cause it, I, I, that's, it's such a, uh, uh, like a personal kind of favorite, those kinds of, uh, the Star Wars movies and, you know, ILM doing what ILM does best, I think, which is Star Wars movies. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and so there's a, there's an aspect like a personal kind of emotional thing where I'd be like, oh, that'd be really cool if Rogue One won. But I, I think Jungle Book really deserves it. And, um, seeing some of the presentations that they did, um, at Seagraph, uh, this last summer, um, I mean, there were so many things about, uh, the work that was done in the film that, you know, I wasn't aware of until I saw some of those, um, 
uh, breakdowns in some of the presentations that were given, as well as um, you know some of the subsequent stories that came out after the film was released. And I think it's just uh, such an impressive achievement um, on so many levels. I think it really works well. Um, and so I, that would be the one I'd go with. I'm going to go, I think it'll go to Jungle Book, but if it doesn't, it'll go to Two Strings. And um, I think it should go to Jungle Book because I think it's... Um, I think it's actually a pivotal film in many respects. I think it represents a turning point in how many people are going to approach filmmaking, not necessarily because they in themselves at the production level pulled it off. They pulled it off on screen, don't get me wrong. I think they, they had some real uphill battles to make it happen behind the scenes, but they've taken a huge step in virtual production and I think others will see that as being a really good way forward and thus it'll validate that as a model and the model... Um, we'll get the green light, which then means others will come and refine what they tried to do on Jungle Book and make it work even better. I'm willing to bet that 10 years from now we look back as Jungle Book as like being a turning point um, in kind of virtual production. Now, I said this to a major effects house the other day and they completely disagreed with me. <laughs> um, but uh, I was off the record, so I can't say who that was. But the thing is, for me, I just got this sense that people are going, oh, okay, so this virtual production thing doesn't have to be aliens and and blah, 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 and it can be characters and it can be interacting with things and, okay, that's that's a good model. I'd like to do that. And there are ties in with that virtual production model with VR and uh, MR and AR stuff and just tie in with the whole idea of games and being able to produce virtual uh, environments that just I think it's it all wins. For me it was at FMX when I saw um, Rob Legato stuff mm-hmm. and I really um, was just... Yeah, behind the scenes on Jungle Book is is absolutely... Now, having said that, you could make a really good case for Rogue One. I mean, Matt Wallen, like, the, there is no doubt whatsoever that ILM really sort of stuck its neck out with uh, with digital characters. Oh, totally. Uh, and, I mean, and you know, we had a long conversation about that as well on this show a few episodes back. And, and um, you know, the digital characters, the, the attempt uh, at doing fully CG characters, which, you know, anecdotally, like definitely some people totally bought it. Some people were, you know, maybe didn't buy it (laughs) as much, but, um, but then all the other effects, you know, everything else in that film from the, the, you know, the work to get the, um, the aesthetics of the uh, digital models to look like practical models, um, uh, which I thought they achieved, uh, really well. And then the, uh, the destruction of, uh, I can't remember the name of the planet now, but the big destruction sim when the Death Star blows up the the holy city or whatever. Um, you know, there's so much great stuff in that film and so much uh, really interesting um, combinations of different kinds of work uh, that really come together seamlessly, I think, you know, uh, under uh, John Knoll and uh, Moe and Leo and Hal uh, Hickel. Um, under their kind of supervision uh, at ILM. And I think some of that stuff is just really, it's just so See, good. my thing is if you, if you don't buy into the digital humans, then I think the Academy, not me, I think the Academy is going to say it's spaceships, they've been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you add in the digital humans, if you buy them as being a remarkable feat, which I think they were, then you elevate the film tremendously. Um Here's something I want to throw at you, Matt Leonard. I think this is a really interesting kind of odd stat. Now, we mentioned that um, 
Kibo and the Two Strings is actually obviously being up for a Best Animated Feature Film. Okay. None of the films that we're discussing for Best Visual Effects are included in nominated or Best Picture, Cinematography, Editing or Production Design or Makeup and uh, Hairstyling or Costume Design. <laughs> now, that's kind of remarkable, right? Because yeah. Normally the look would be either overlapping, I would have thought, with cinematography or production design and obviously sometimes with characters, um, makeup and, and uh, stuff. But none of those categories have Deep Water, Doctor Strange, Jungle Book, Two Strings or, or Rogue One, which is kind of pretty isolating and interesting in a way. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you look at just where virtual cinematography has gone over the last year and I, I think it was obviously definitely used in Jungle Book. It was used in Rogue One. Uh, it was almost certainly used in some of the other projects. You'd have thought that that would have been in there somewhere, at least in the cinematography um, category. Just, but maybe maybe it's not because it isn't someone with a physical camera. Maybe the Academy looks at that and sees it as not real or not not pure or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's but definitely I'm strange. I'm stunned that there's nothing there in production design because production yeah. design seems so close with visual effects in Rogue One, in Jungle Book, in Doctor Strange. I mean, they just like I can't see how you're not overlapping with production design. Um, yeah, because in, in I would have year, thought... I'd, I would have thought Avatar would have been... Avatar must have been and I guess Maleficent and it's very similar to those, those movies as well in, in what it's achieved in building an entire world from scratch. So is Greg Frazier's nomination that's for Lion? Uh, in cinematography? Yeah. Is, uh, cinematography's Arrival, La La Land, Lion, uh, Moonlight and Silence. Which I think, you know, is really interesting, right? I mean, Arrival, as I say, I think should have been in Best Visual Effects as a contender. It's yeah. popping up in Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design all of the things that would normally, best sound editing, um, it's normally like a film like that, best sound editing, uh, best sound mixing as well. Um, the thing is when you get a film that's really strong in the craft, sometimes you get a film that like sweeps the crafts and doesn't sweep the acting and best picture. But here we've got, a f we've got no sort of film like that. We've got no Lord of the Ringsy type thing that has got tons of nominations in the craft category and nothing um, in the other areas. The visual effects stuff are just islands. Um, now, there obviously are some overlaps. I mean, you can find, uh, I'm sure, something. Rogue One, I think, is in best sound mixing. But, I mean, like you've got to hunt to kind of find where these films pop up in other places other than, uh, as we mentioned, of course, um, best animated feature, which is, again, very unusual and of its own right. But, I mean, the link between production design and cinematography and visual effects, they are the three big heavyweight departments of the crafts. I take nothing away from makeup and uh, costume and everything else, but like, I mean, really on set, you know, the DOP, the production designer, visual effects supervisor on these big films that we're talking about, they are just the three craft gods that kind of help build the worlds that the actors have as a stage to perform in, at least in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Oh, sorry, Matt Wallen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a really, uh, it's an unusual year in that regard. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, La La Land, right? With uh, arguably the the isn't it like tied for the most nominations? Uh, with I guess just with two other movies, right? I think they were. Uh, I'm not going to remember. Did you like La La Land? Personally, did I like it? Yeah. Um. um 
that's a complicated question. I, I feel like I'm like that character on Saturday Night Live where they like they take him and they interrogate him in a in a police uh, interrogation room because he thinks La La Land was just okay. And uh, people are like, it was a great movie. You know, I don't know if you saw that skit, but it was so funny. I didn't. Um, I mean, it, I, I mean, it was okay. I don't know. It didn't, it wasn't, it didn't really Matt do, Leonard, what do you reckon? didn't do anything special for me. <laughs> Get Matt Wall off the hook here. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> I, I liked it. I felt it got a little bit lost at the end. Um, my wife and daughter kind of liked it, but at the end, they came out going, mm, maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, it has the feel of something that the the Academy would vote for. I could see it doing very, uh, very well. I would I would even go as far as to argue, like, and this is me being super cynical, like, I think it actually is made and written to win the Best Picture Oscar. Like, I feel like that's, like, its whole reason for existing. Like, it's a love letter to Hollywood, you know? Like, it's, I mean, how can they not vote for that one, you know? It seems like it's okay, just, so per, it's like designed dear, to win. Dear VFX show listener, if you are somebody that loved La La Land, please <laughs> contact us because I have yet to find any of my close friends that liked it and I fell asleep during it. I think it is <laughs> monumentally dull. It's monumentally not my film. It's not bad filmmaking. It just isn't interesting, engaging. It was just, I, I just slept for the last part of it. I was like, I would enjoy snoozing at this point more. And everybody that didn't sleep that was with me went, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and, and not, like to, it, not uh, to go on a, too much of a rat hole about La La Land, but I just spare me uh, or uh, grant me this one uh, brief rat hole, which is that I think La La Land could have been potentially a great film and potentially a great musical. But I feel like every opportunity that it had from the opening number to the end of the movie, every opportunity it had, it had to go big and be bombastic uh, in the fashion of like, of a, you know, a musical, a Hollywood musical. Like it, it always felt like it, it was like, it was afraid to go bigger. Like even that opening number on the freeway, which was so yeah. cool and technically was really cool, but it, it, it never, I never felt like it cut loose. It always felt like there was this kind of guarded reservation. And, and so it, it never really <laughs> let, let itself go in the way that something like classic musicals, Hollywood musicals like, um, West Side Story or, um, uh, seven Brides for Seven Brothers or something like where there's these classic Hollywood musicals that every once in a while, like they just go kind of crazy and cut loose with the dancing and the singing in a really big way. Sure. And they didn't do that. But here's the thing, right? It For me, it suffers. There are a couple of tropes that we use here on the show. Regular listeners will know. And one of them is the, uh, does it survive the... Uh, time-lapse photography quick time sent by a friend and this didn't which is to say you watch that on the musical thing on the bridge and you're like that's really cool that was really interesting that's really well done mm -hmm. and then you go i've got to sit through a whole movie of these like i kind of got <laughs> it after the first number um and it's like that and you know you, somebody sends you that quick time of the time lapse that they've spent you know weeks climbing through the appellations to get and you're like it looks really cool and then you kind of fast forward it because yeah i kind of got it and uh, okay but you never want to admit that right um yeah it's like Pregnant women are smug. Um, well, anyway, it's, the it's, thing is, it's such a genre thing too. It's it's sort of like you know people say like uh, you know it's an acquired taste maybe for people who really love musicals. Maybe it works on a lot of levels, but it's you know it's like Caesar salad Moulin or Rouge. something. You know, I thought Moulin Rouge was really good. <laughs> it kind of reinvented um, that 
genre did it fresh and in a new way. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with the musical. I just just didn't, that wasn't it. Hey, okay, so just while we're on that, right, but it's in contention for Best Picture. Do you have any favourites in Best Picture, Matt Wallen, while I'm on you? I mean, f- personally for me, I, I, the, I mean, I, there's a lot of movies I really like this year. I thought... Um, I saw Lion uh, just recently and thought oh, it so was good. phenomenal, an amazing true story and, and, and really incredibly well made. The whole opening sequence reminded me of um, yeah. being in film school and watching uh, the Apu trilogy, you know, the um, oh. uh, 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 way back when. And then I, I really, I just recently, again, just like you, Matt, I watched with my, my wife and son, hadn't seen Arrival and we're, it was available here to rent. And so we just rented it. But then the other one that I think is just, staggeringly brilliant and one of the best movies I think I maybe I've I've ever seen was uh Moonlight I thought was so great really just mind-blowing I thought it was so so cool (laughs) such a great film like um I don't know I I I I love that movie I thought it was so so incredible what about what about you Matt Lennon um I think I think I would like to see it maybe go to Arrival I also I really liked Fences and I really liked Hacksaw Ridge as well. I like both of those two other movies. Hacksaw Ridge is obviously interesting because it's the first time um, Mr. Gibson has been back after obviously being, <laughs> being away forever. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was a very good movie. That, I mean, and Fences was excellent. I mean, Denzel Washington is always really good. But I think Arrival would be really interesting to see see that win just because of what it was and how it wasn't the normal best picture style style yeah. thing. But well we're on that. I think it was really interesting like like Hacksaw Ridge, I think Chris Godfrey was the VFX supervisor on that, did a really good job because he didn't have a huge amount of money and you know they didn't even have one ridge to film on. They had to make them from three different ridges and you know like it just wasn't a big budget film and it didn't feel small. So I think that that was good. But for me, like, I don't know, like Lion's such a good film, mm-hmm. um, but Arrival was such a good story that made such a good film. You know what I mean? Like it was, and it wasn't just the story because clearly if you didn't have the filmmaking as a perfected craft of just being able to deliver that story, you'd have blown it at about 10 different points. So I'm not saying that it's just a good story. Like, whereas, I mean, to a certain extent, Lion is great story, great acting. Arrival seems to be great story, great filmmaking. Um, so I'm, I'm really in sixes and sevens on what to... As long as I don't give it to La La Land, I'll be happy. I mean, Hidden Figures <laughs> is a heck of a good film. Yeah, you know, all the kids in the city I live in, uh, all the middle school kids, including my son's class, uh, were taken to see that movie in the theatre. It was like a field trip. So I thought that was pretty cool. A story that I thought it was a, most people yeah. had never heard of. Like I didn't know that story. So yeah, pretty, no, pretty neat I mean, to it was tell great. stories like that and get that kind of um, historical um, information out there in a, in a really sort of palatable way for, um, uh, you know, for film goers to go and see it. I mean, I thought it was, it was really well made. The question is with Hidden Figures and with Lion, it's so hard, I think, to not, well, and that Hacksaw Ridge, of course, is the other one. Um, it's not to see them um, and not be impressed by the fact they're true stories. Yeah. Like the fact that you can be a conscientious objector and win a, um, you know, like a medal for, but not the medal, it's the fact that he saved so many lives in just such incredibly um, vicious uh, circumstances. The fact that you can fight against 
um, you know, obviously uh, tremendous prejudice and deliver on such a level or that you can, um, you know, use Google Earth and find your home and your mother. I mean, these are amazing real stories. So I find it really hard to not fall in love with them. I think I fall in love with Hidden Figures more than the other two because it was a true story. But having said that, a great film, so. Um, and I don't think, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I just haven't seen all of those films. I've seen most of them. Um, but uh, does anyone know Hell or High Water? I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, I did. No, I, I saw, seen it. No. I saw that one too. Uh, it's it's good. I mean, it's like, a, it reminded me a little bit of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, uh, Spencer Tracy movie, uh, Bad Day at Black Rock. <laughs> It's kind of like you know set out in the in the West, but it's kind of like a modern telling of um, of uh, a, a story about like trying to sort of save the the family farm, you know. And it's kind of touches on a lot of the things that um, maybe are more politically relevant, um, you know, in most uh, social democracies, I guess, where you've got uh, you know a, a huge discrepancy between. Um, the haves and have nots, right? That like you, you've got really just the rich and the poor and that this middle class is getting right. squeezed out. And it's kind of a story about that and about these two, um, two brothers. Um, and it's, and it's really well crafted. It's, it's, uh, a low budget movie that was shot, I believe on a really short schedule too. And I think they shot it in sequence if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's fun to watch, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's nominated for best picture. I don't think it's, um, I didn't think it was that great, but I mean, it's good. You know? Well, before I get back to visual effects for a second, and I will be asking you guys both in a second to name um, favourite shots in these five films, so I'll give you a good warning. But Matt, I wouldn't, wouldn't be right to have you on the show. You're such an enthusiastic fan of uh, short animated films. Can I jump to the other end of the spectrum away from Best Picture, but one of the smallest awards. Best short film. Um, there is a couple of real, maybe two or three, really great films in this, but I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to go for. But what would you go for in best uh, short film animated? Uh, without a doubt, I would go for Piper. Yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> it just looked incredible. It's just, just give it to Piper and be done with it. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else's work was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was just phenomenal. And, and seeing breakdowns and and using Render Man and knowing what it took to do that. I mean, modeling individual bits of sand is just unbelievable. And the look was just gorgeous. So, yeah, it's kind of game over, it feels like, for me on that one. If it doesn't go to that, I'll be uh, crying. I, f I feel like occasionally, you know, the, the place a film comes from is sort of works against it, right? Like, I mean, you, mm. know, you can argue that Pixar feels over-awarded. But having said that, anytime Pixar does a short film like that where it really doesn't have dialogue and it's just animators acting through these kind of characters and getting such amazing empathy, warmth and stuff. I mean, I'm just in awe of that film. And uh, I don't know. Matt Wallen, what do you reckon? I mean, I, w I would agree. I, I haven't, I've only seen two of the, of the five, so I, I feel sort of uh, like I shouldn't say too much other than the other one I've seen, of course, is uh, the Google short film Pearl. Um, and it's interesting, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, the, the aesthetic, like the design aesthetic of Pearl, but I do like that, um, you know, it's a, it's a VR, a 360 VR, uh, film. Yep. Um, I think that's kind of interesting and, and, uh, you know, it's cool to see something like that get nominated. And I think what they did, um, in that 
piece was really uh, interesting too, in that they chose uh, a way to tell a story through time by putting the camera uh, in a vehicle and that the vehicle became yep. sort of like the the vista through which we watch, you know, the the growing up of the the girl and then, you know, the the father and the, they're sort of like buskers or whatever. And, and that we wind up then in turn um, sort of reliving, you know, the story that the music is the thing that goes on when the car, it looks as if right at the end, I think the car is sort of uh, left and then picked up by someone else. And so it's sort of like it, it becomes the... It literally is a vehicle, right, <laughs> that we uh, take the journey on. And, I, and it's cool to see them nominate something that's in that form factor, I think. But I, I would love to see the other three films, but I just haven't uh, had the opportunity yet. Andrew Coates's Borrowed Time is definitely worth seeing if you can if you can get any chance to see oh, it. That, um, okay, I have seen that one too. That was at uh, Seagraph. That's the Western one, yeah? Yeah, the Western one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that, um, well, I'm not surprised. I think Inner Workings, which was a Disney short, was really, really good. The only problem is I think that it suffered from feeling a bit like Inside Out, the Pixar feature. But um, I thought that was it sort of deserved to get through to this, uh, this last list and it didn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, there are um, a wealth of really good films. I do agree with you, though, um, just in terms of that aesthetics comment, like it's not my preferred aesthetic v- look for a mm-hmm. film. I mean, I mean, I just can't help but be suckered into the marvelously rich, um, gorgeous, shallow depth of field of uh, Piper. But that's you know, Pixar kind of like. Well, even Piper, though, interestingly, uh, I mean, in the way that Pearl is very art directed, it's very sort of you know, kind of graphic novel illustrative yep. kind of style. But even Piper. It has it has photorealistic um, uh, camera work and some kind of yep. photorealism, but it's not photorealistic as a render, really. Like it's also stylized, you know. Like it's not. I don't think they're going for something that was, uh, in terms of the the design aesthetic of the of the birds. Like I don't know that they were trying to achieve a really photoreal look. It's a it's a it's a character piece too. So true. But there was a film. Um once Upon a Line, which was the winner of the Student uh, Academy Awards, I think. And um, anyway, from USC. And so I thought that was going to get into the final hmm. nominations. And that has that, I'm going to call stylized look that is much more kind of, you know, uh, the same as Borrowed Time, I guess, where they're mm-hmm. not, you know, as realistic. But I mean, there's such realism in some aspects of um, that little bird running into that water. Maybe not the bird, maybe not, you know, like the facial expressions, but the, the environment, the way the water works on the surface of mm-hmm. the sand, the um, the depth of field and the way that that kind of all comes up. It's a, yeah, it's, it's that Pixar thing, isn't it? It's like they pick their battles. Um, well, it's like the camera it's work in like, that too, reminded me a lot of the camera work uh, in WALL-E more than anything else. Good call, good call, yeah. I totally see that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great call. Okay, so let's get back to our best visual effects category. We've got five films. Um, rather than get you to pick apart between them, let's just say, can we go around and discuss our fave shot that we remember, six in our brain, from um, uh, the five? So I'm just going to take them in any order. Let's take a Deepwater Horizon first. So is there any shot in that that just really uh, resonated with, uh, with either of you that you can remember that sort of struck you off the top of your head? I'll give you mine. It was the shower sequence when he's in the shower and the wall blows out 
and um, he just gets hurled across the room. It's a, it's a partly visual effects, partly special effects setup. But man, it was like uh, just gritty and mean and bloody hell. I mean, I thought, <laughs> you know, really- I thought Deep Water was, was a really, uh, I, I only saw that in probably the last month or so. I, I, I wanted to see it while it was in the theater just because I used to sit right next to Craig Hammock. <laughs> You know, in my yep. in my office at ILM back when we were in San Rafael, and and uh, he's just such a nice guy, like really super cool dude. And I really wanted to go see it just because I knew he'd worked on it um, and supervised uh, for ILM. And um, I just didn't get a chance to see it in the theater, but when it came out and was available to rent, I watched it. And I've always kind of liked the most of the Peter Berg uh, minus Battleship, but most of the Peter Berg stuff in that. I think he he's really interested Kingdom in kind of good. Yeah, well, and he's and he's trying to tell you know these yeah. kind of gritty, kind of real, you know, true stories about you know people in harrowing circumstances, like everyday people sort of rising to the occasion or whatever. Seems like his theme that he comes back to, and I thought it was a really solid uh, film about an you know a story that we have all. I mean, I I remember of course hearing about it and the length of time it yeah. took to plug the uh, the well after. But I'm, but I'm- but 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 less about the story, just on the visual effects. Was but in terms that- of the visual effects, I mean, I, the things that I guess I that I remember most vividly, and I only did see it that one time, are just like shots of the of the whole rig like burning um, at night when they are all sort of making their uh, uh, the the survivors are making their sort of mad exit uh, to try to get to safety. And I remember thinking that, I mean, all the shots of the rig are, are really impressive because. There is no rig, right? So, I mean, the virtual environment. Well, there was a stuff. bottom rig. There was a bottom of the rig, and then most of it was digital. But wasn't it small um, scale too? Like it wasn't. Yes, it wasn't yeah. quite the right scale. Yeah. Though I did like that they put this giant, uh, you know, jumbotron type screen up to have the actors, you know, have flames out of focus behind them mm-hmm. in camera rather mm-hmm. than just putting up a giant green screen. Um, what about you, Matt? Anything from Deep Water that? I think um, probably similar to what you, what yours favorite was was the initial kind of blowout. I, I kind of, I mean, the film got flack for apparently not explaining things properly, but I, it seemed clear enough what was yeah, kind of right what way. was going on. But just when it all started to go wrong and, and it was cut quite nicely, I thought, and you just got a real sense of panic that this is something huge and it's out of control and, there's, and it's going to go bad. And I just liked the way that the visual effects really kind of enhanced what they had done because obviously as far as I know they built quite a lot of working equipment for that I think the pump and things they they got working or at least had it there physically so there was obviously visual effects on top of that to to give the um, the explosions and probably the mud and things like that so that section I thought was really good because it made the rig feel like an alive kind of character just for a little while so that would probably be my favorite yeah, my problem was that that rig bit where the actual drilling well um, got, you know, the guys are standing outside the control room and the guys are inside the control room behind mm-hmm. the glass. Um, because I presume that that is just how it is, it's a closed in area and it felt like a set piece to me. Mm. Um, so I was less interested in that than when the blowout happened and what you saw happening around the, the rig when it happened. Um, but that's being super picky, I guess. Okay, but while I'm still on you... You mentioned Doctor Strange before, so let's go there. I presume you're going to pick the kaleidoscope effects of New York or London, or yeah, is that the, your... definitely the New York. The New York stuff was was just stuff that I just 
absolutely loved. I I haven't come out of a movie for quite a long time and thought I just want to go back and see that again. Um, now, obviously, it was very similar. It felt quite similar to some of the stuff we'd seen in Inception, but it was just so big and so crazy. And I remember just watching it thinking, how on earth did they do that? And obviously stuff has now come out and it's it's some of it's obvious what they did um but yeah i just loved kind of the craziness of it really um, obvious after you know how they've done it <laughs> um but i thought it was well photographed you i didn't uh, too much kind of lose where people were which is sometimes in chase sequences you sometimes get that problem where it's like what the heck is going on um, i don't know who's chasing who anymore and that felt like they had kind of not fallen into that issue but yeah, I just, I yeah, go ahead. And Matt, uh, was it for you that, or was it the magical mystery tour, or the reverse time in Hong Kong, or what? You, what, what resonated with you? You know, uh, I'm gonna kind of go against uh, the grain a little bit and say that I think my favorite thing in Doctor Strange, uh, effects-wise, was the character animation and simulation of his cape. I love oh, that. Oh man, that's what I was gonna name. <laughs> I, I love it. Good. I thought it was so great. It's a trouble with going. <laughs> and that yeah, was Frame no, Store, I, right? I was totally going to go the same was place. I frame that Store? Was Is that who really did the good. cape? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if they did it all the way through. I guess I can find that out. But um, yeah, i got to say, I thought that was just such a delightful kind of beat. Um, but having said that, if, I, if, I went, uh, if you've got the cape, I'm going to go with the reverse uh, Hong Kong sequence because it made sense and uh, it shouldn't have. I mean, it should have been impossible. And I, I really just can empathise what it must have been like on set, saying to people, okay, now you need to be running this way. No, no, you haven't got that yet. You'll get that in a second. But that's, okay, but you're going that way and it's going that, okay, no, let's uh, let's have a look on the split. Because, um, man, that would have just been... And that was great too, great, great integration of the actors uh, moving, you know, forward in time while all the action around oh, yeah. was going backward in time. It actually, effects-wise, reminded me a lot of... Uh, what we were talking about uh, in terms of Westworld when they would f uh, freeze the action in Westworld and they would have um, the uh, people from the uh, control room come out and walk around the, the frozen uh, robots or whatever. It was, it was similar in a way in terms of um, technique, although I thought much more elaborate and much more complex in Doctor Strange. And I just did look it up, Matt. Yes, uh, not all the cloaks were by Framestore, but all the big animation work with the cloak was done by Framestore, quoting the FX Guide article on the uh, on the movie. Um, yeah, and I, I totally agree. Okay, so moving along, what, what's our next film on our um, our uh, nominee list? What are we up to? Um, well, let's go with uh, Rogue One. So uh, I'm on you, Matt, I think. So what do we think? Um, was it the space battle? Was it uh, a particularly good droid or was it some digital actors? Hmm. I mean, I think, I really think it would probably be, uh, I'm just a sucker for Sims. So I think it's the destruction of, uh, of uh, whatever it is, uh, Mecca, whatever they blow up there. Um, must at, the, at the end or the earlier the one test? At the, the one, uh, the test they do at the beginning um, where they blow mm -hmm. up the, the holy city or whatever. Um, I just thought that was so great. And then the, when our, our heroes sort of escape through the debris, I thought that whole destruction sim and the way it sort of cascaded um, high up in the air and then started to curl around them as they were sort of, you know, getting ready to jump to uh, light speed or whatever. I thought that was just 
totally spectacular and, and riveting on screen. Well, I'll get to you next, Matt Leonard, but I'm going to have to give it to, um, to uh, the face pipeline. Now, if I can just put a plug in here, um, I just did a wired piece uh, that's on FX Guide on the face pipeline at, um, at ILM. And I've got to say, like, uh, it really is um, spectacularly complicated to do faces. And uh, it's even more complicated when you factor in that um, you, one finds it very hard to articulate what's wrong with what you're looking at because it's a face. If you look at anything else, you'd be able to be much more objective. The car doesn't look quite right because the wheels don't look quite right. But with faces, your brain doesn't process them as, as nominal eyes. They register as emotional sort of things that you know are eyes, but you've been evolved over millions of years to read. And so trying to navigate that, I mean, I just cannot imagine the reviews as everyone would have a different theory as to why something wasn't looking right. And it, it is incredibly hard to nail down. It's literally like putting a glass of water and nailing it to the wall. It's, um, uh, you know, and yet uh, I think ILM's really advanced the cause enormously. But anyway, Matt, Leonard, what's your vote? Um, well, you know I'm a sucker for the animation stuff. I, I really liked the uh, the droid K2. Is it K2? It is, isn't it? That's the... Um, the, the new the, droid, yeah. The new droid. I really liked that. I thought it was a good personality and and I just enjoyed watching watching it. But I think probably similar to you and having listened to the last but one show when you talked about um Tarkin I I absolutely loved it it obviously wasn't perfect we we talked about or you guys talked about that um when you did the Rogue One show but I didn't know it was going to be there and when when it was obvious in those lead-ups that that it he was there and they were going to show it and then I suddenly realized actually he's going to be in it a lot I I was just absolutely delighted that they had the balls to go there and I and I agree with you it slightly that it may not have been as good as as the work that um MPC did on on Schwarzenegger which was fantastic but the amount of screen time that he had I thought was was great and although it wasn't perfect I thought this is a character obviously that that we love and that we haven't seen for a long time, obviously. And the what fact you think that of they Leia? did it, I didn't like Leia at all. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, I, it, it felt she felt very soft and very CG ish, and it made me. I was slightly sad in that I knew that in order to pull off those few seconds, the amount of effort they would have had to have gone to would have been probably the same amount of effort to have to have done Tarkin, they would have had to have built everything to get it working. And Isn't so, it funny that like Hal Hickel and the team at ILM totally gives you K2 in many shots and mm. no one for a second goes, that looks <laughs> fake. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we just all completely believe him. And there's not even a hint in my mind that it looks like it's not real metal or it's not there or whatever and yet... Here we are saying that, you you know, Leia isn't working at all for you, which is just such an extreme given it's the same team, same yeah, yeah. Uh, animation director. Now, I'm not saying that they're identical characters. Of course, one is human and one's a droid. But we just accept the droid, just, I, I do anyway, completely, 110%, no problem whatsoever. Um, and yet we're so critical on uh, on Leia and, and Tarkin. Yeah, and I was surprised... I was surprised how much it jarred with me because obviously I had spent countless minutes looking at Tarkin now throughout the movie and again it was it was we see the back of her you're excited this is 
they, they've done this. This is going to be amazing. And as she turned around, something in me just said, there's something very wrong there. Well, I didn't get that feeling with Tarkin. I know, obviously, he wasn't perfect, but it, I, I bought into the fact that Was it because you knew Leia there. so much more? Maybe, maybe it was because she was younger and it must be a lot harder maybe to do the smooth skin. Maybe the older skin hides some See, of we're, the we're, Here we are, we're off trying to come up with theories and there's nothing that's <laughs> obvious, right? No, I mean, I'm with no. you, right? Like everybody has their theories, but Matt and I discussed it at length and, you know, like I'm totally with you. Okay, well, I think the other thing we should point out is that that film, Rogue One, was just a really good film. And it was was a way better Star Wars film than we deserved as an off kind of spin-off film that wasn't the main thing. Like this wasn't the direct-to-video, you know, just make the cash kind of film. It was a really good Star Wars film. Um, In some respects, I think it was a better Star Wars film than its predecessor only because its predecessor felt like a bit of a greatest hits and this was kind of original stuff without having to fall back on a lot of lightsaber (laughs) jewels. Like it wasn't... You know, using the stuff that you could have used in a um, a Star Wars universe and and gotten a lot of free points out of. Anyway, I'm not meant to be discussing the films. I'm meant to be discussing the visual looks. Okay, so I'm still with you, Matt Leonard. We're on to um, two strings. So what do we reckon? That's the second last one. It's um, an amazing piece of very different type of visual effects. What do we think? Well, I'm going to go first because I I've only seen it once and. I don't remember too much about it. I remember, I remember mm-hmm. liking it, and I remember thinking it visually looked amazing. But it's actually gone from my mind quite quickly. I have it on the shelf, and I ought to, um, I ought to rewatch it. They sent it as a, as a screener, so I ought to resee it. But the thing that I did remember from it was the, um, was kind of the the fish, the the moon beast. I just remember moon that being, being yeah, very cool. So that was the one. That was the this kind of the thing that that I've remembered from it and, and really enjoyed. So, Matt Wallen, are you up for battling a giant uh, flying glowing monster or something else? I mean, I think, you know, maybe just in a more general way, I thought all the, just the water effects and the thing I thought were in mm-hmm. the whole film were really great. Um, it's it's a it's another one of those ones that is also, you know, highly stylized in a particular kind of story. Like, it probably just for me, like it probably isn't one of my favorite movies of the year. Like, but you know, my son really liked it and my wife really liked it, (laughs) but it probably wasn't as high up on the list for me, but I thought all the water work um, that they did for the film was really cool. um, And had, uh, you know, some really uh, in at times, some realistic dynamics, but also, you know, some, some stuff that was, had a real stylized aesthetic at the same time. And I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah, uh, John Montgomery handled that film for us because he went to visit them uh, at sort of where the, at the studio and did some really great stories on uh, FX Guide about it and covered the water. Um, I, gr- I kind of agree with you. I would have gone with the Moon Beast myself, but there is there was a bunch of remarkable. I mean, it's it's another one of those films you kind of if you stop to think about how hard it would be to do it, you um, you're kind of stunned. Uh, but um, I'm probably with you. It's not of these five films we're discussing my favorite um okay which gets us to the jungle book which is the film that i left to last simply because we were all naming it as the one we think is going to be the uh the oscar winner so 
again, we, we don't discuss the story, but like what do we actually think was there a particular part that really impressed us? Now, as the film progressed, it got a little less realistic in a sense because, um, you know, the animals are normal sized at the beginning, but obviously we introduce um, a character at the end, albeit um, Christopher Walken's uh, <laughs> monkey double, who, you know, isn't normal size and isn't normal scale. But along the way, we've got um, tremendous uh, fur simulations, wildlife simulations, tree simulations. So, uh, Matt Wallen, anything that you just really zeroed in on as being super impressive? Well, I think there's two things uh, that I would cite in the film. And the first is uh, is the opening sequence. I think the opening sequence going from the traditional sort of Disney logo to sort of the animated look and pushing us through the jungle um, – in something that had the aesthetic of the original cartoon and then into this hyper photo real, um, fully realized digital environment, um, I thought was a really, really a powerful transition. And it, it, it tells a story too. It tells a very, you know, Disney centric story, but a technological story about animation, um, really in a, in one shot. And I thought that that was just totally spectacular. And, and then the other thing that it just really sticks out in my mind and was, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but who's the big tiger, the, the bad tiger in the movie? Um, is it Shere Khan? Shere Khan. Shere Khan, you mean there's, it comes down to the watering hole? Yeah, there's some great footage, um, or great footage, it's great character animation that is just so unbelievably realistic in the way that Shere Khan kind of, yeah, he comes to the watering hole and then when he lies down, the way he he moves just like a real tiger, but at the same time, like we're getting, you know, the, the lip sync and the sort of the anthropomorphization sort of of the animals who are, are talking too. And it, it, it just worked. It was totally, uh, believable animation, beautifully executed in a, and an absolutely photorealistic looking tiger. You know, it's just one of those things that I remember when he laid down, it was just like, wow, that's, it's crazy. Like he looks, it looks like something you'd see like on, you know, a nature program or something. It was great. I completely agree with you that, um, but I, I'll hold off. Matt Leonard, what do you reckon? Um, I loved all of it. Um, I think the thing that, that I remember staring at and just thinking how, how have they done that and, and is the interaction between the boy, which is obviously real, and then everything else. When he when he cuddles the wolves and he runs his hands through the fur and you just get that amazing interaction as if he really is running his hands through fur. And I, I'm looking at it going, this is a live-action person and this is a CG character. Now, I, I know how they did that, but the fact that they went to that length and just his interaction with the jungle and everything around him... I remember years ago, we, we talked about it earlier, the Golden Compass, that really standing out to me mm -hmm. as the first time that we'd really seen people pick up these animals or whatever, the, the I think they called them demons or something. And there was a lot of interaction there with, with CG and then it went on into the Harry Potter movies with Creature and Dobby and more interaction there. But this for the, this movie really felt like they just pushed it to the next level where you've you've obviously got CG and live action interacting in a way that I hadn't really seen quite that yeah, much. Yeah, Baloo and Mowgli is a remarkable set of um, of interactions, aren't they? I mean, I, I yeah, I love that they use Muppets behind the scenes to get the genuine reactions out of the young <laughs> actor. Yeah. Um, so 
obviously the reason that I do what I do for a living and I don't work in financing pitches and productions <laughs> is that I would get things phenomenally wrong. For example, I think that there's no way that a talking tree would work in an action comic book film. I think there's no way you could translate uh, The Lion King to the stage and I didn't think I'd like photorealistic animals talking in this film and I was on all three occasions completely and utterly wrong. Um, <laughs> I totally agree that Shikan coming down to the water is just one of the most gorgeous pieces of character animation. It was just jaw-droppingly good. But that it can be that real and be that good and I still don't have some kind of cognitive dissonance over the fact that it talks is Mm -hmm. stunning to me. Like I just don't know how Rob Legato pulled it off. I mean, Rob Legato, you know, I'm not fit to kind of like... I mean, the guy is incredible in the range of stuff that he's done and um, how he manages to walk that line because he's very focused on real cinematography, real lensing, real everything Um, and yet we've got talking animals and they're just not stupid and I mean it's not, you know, daft. It's Now I guess you could point to Babe as being a previous example but I don't know, I still didn't think that, that, you know, animals singing songs and doing stuff in this environment would, uh, would be would be possible and obviously there's a hell of a difference between putting a digital jaw on a pig which in its day was great for babe and creating the entire world and all the animals in it um the entire film (laughs) of jungle book but man uh pulling that off and making me not freak out that they were chatting i I mean you can get it on the little cute things like you know the little um uh, wolf cubs and stuff they're kind of like an easier sell but on these sort of very realistic larger animals just extraordinary and and the elephants everything was just really good anyway that's me king louis by the way i think was best when he was in the after film credits in that opening book you know that they did Mm -hmm. yeah i I thought that was a cracker just really really good I love that open book thing at the end. I was like, wow, what a great short film. I would have just done that as a short film and submitted it. Um, but, yeah, okay. Well, um, okay, so we've, we've made our predictions. Um, we just want to wrap up by, I, I think if we can, not, not wrap up, I shouldn't say that. I want you to go switch off. I want to finish, I guess, by turning our attention to somebody else's predictions, which is the FX rant by um, Todd Vasari. Now, Todd has been on the show before. Um, he couldn't join us this time. He's uh, on holidays, but... Um, I think it's worth throwing him uh, more than a, a casual shout out because he does great work with the Predictinator. And um, did he did, did, and, did he uh, do it this year? He did. Oh, he absolutely did. He so looked like he wasn't going to. He was like right up there with I don't think I should. And there you go. And then he uh, he did. And Matt, you've seen it, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> do you want to give us the um, speak on his behalf? which is only fitting, I guess, because he's also at ILM, but um, not speaking on behalf of ILM, you understand, but just what's, uh, what's Todd's predictinator, which, okay. by the way, so, apart from last year, has always been a rather reliable indicator of who's going to win. So I'm going to go from the, the bottom to the final one that he's saying is going to win. Okay, so, so least to most likely. Yeah, the least to, to win is, is the one that I would like to win, which is uh, Doctor Strange. That okay. comes in at a rating of 3.09. Who knows what those mean, but that's the number. Next up at 3.17 is Deepwater Horizon. Then he jumps to uh, Kubo and the two strings at 3.87. Then there no, is... Hang on, but no, so you just got, you've got two left. So, two so, left. Far, so far we've been inside but, 0.8 
inside 0.79 of, of those first three, yep. that's not a huge difference. Okay, nope. the spread's going to spread out now, yeah? Yeah, then it does a big jump up to 4.19, which is Rogue One. And then there is a phenomenal jump up to 5.48 for Jungle Book. So I think he's nailed it this time. Okay, so <laughs> he's going with John Favreau's Jungle Book. Um, obviously, if you've listened to this show before, you know that we uh, we love um, Todd and the stuff that he's done. Um, Todd uh, has taken into account all of the things that Todd takes into account, which is a terribly complicated formula that I think he and his wife do that takes into account whether it's a um, comic book, whether it's a sequel, whether it has digital characters in it, uh, what the box office take was, what were the um, attitude of the critics were, you know, like a ton of stuff. And, uh, and I remember um, when Rob Legato was at the VES Awards, uh, which we're going to finish on in one second, um, and he, I actually sat him down for an interview and the first thing I said is, oh, congratulations because Todd's given you the thumbs up on the um, Predictinator and that was for Hugo. And at that point he didn't know that and I could see it in his face. He was like, really? <laughs> I was like, huh, <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, so, okay, so... So we, we said earlier that we want to come back to the VES Awards because we don't want to finish just on a popularity competition. Um, oh, can I, can so I the throw VES one Award other quick thing out there? Just, yeah, sure. What about uh, animated feature? Oh, we didn't get back to that, did we? My, my bad. Um, okay, so, well, as you, as you have the floor, are you going turtles, zoos, uh, Hawaii, zucchinis or strings? I think uh, everybody I know is probably uh, thinks Moana's got a, a a big leg up. Some people, some of my students probably are uh, big Red Turtle fans, uh, just because they they love all that um, very Studio Ghibli kind yeah. of. Um, but I think for me, uh, probably the least likely to win. But my my personal favorite would have to be Zootopia. I thought Zootopia was such a was such a great uh, weirdly conceived movie. Um, wonderfully executed and had such a nice uh you know for kids anyway i thought it had such a really nice uh, message but i would love to see that one win but i kind of i somehow don't think it will but mm, that's interesting matt what do you reckon well i would have gone with finding dory but it doesn't appear to be here <laughs> so i'm <laughs> i'm uh, I'm, go well. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna go with zootopia i i I thought the movie was just delightful. I absolutely loved it. So Do you think it has a I chance of winning? That. No. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think Moana has a very good chance of winning and, and it probably See, I think something win. like Red Turtle could surprise you because mm, it's it's be a nice. really controlled, um, beautifully executed uh, piece of... And I, I feel like sometimes they want art in this category mm -hmm, and they mm -hmm. don't reward um, humour. You know, the old thing about you never get a comedy winning best picture. So, I don't know, maybe. But anyway, I, I think you're probably right, but I would say that if I had to place a bet, I'd place it on Red Turtle. But anyway, there you go. Okay, so let's go to the VES uh, award winners, which, as we said, is done by the craft or the guild, as it were, that is the visual effects artist, as opposed to, of course, um, the uh, Academy, which at the time of actually winning is heavily influenced by the actors. So, Matt Wallen, um, what happened at the VS Awards? If we stay away from some of the minor categories, which are great and important to those people I know, but if we stay away from, say, some of the compositing or or TVC-type categories, what were the main winners out of the VS Awards? Uh, the two biggest winners of the night, I guess, would have been um, for outstanding visual effects in a photoreal feature. The Jungle Book, which kind of coincides with, I think, all of our predictions for 
the potential, at least, of the Oscar, as well as the predictionator's prediction. And then for outstanding uh, visual effects in an animated feature, uh, they went with Kubo and the Two Strings, which, uh, yes, is sort of interesting, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean... Well, interesting though, if you think about the category though, it's not quite the same category, is it? It's outstanding visual effects right. in an animated feature, yeah. which is sort of different. The Visual Effects Society awarding an animated feature is different than than just best animated feature full mm-hmm. stop, which um, one could argue maybe isn't exactly the same thing. But well, certainly it's... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, and then the, the other one that I think is also is kind of interesting because it is broken down, you know, not to get too into the weeds, but but the other big sort of outstanding category is uh, outstanding supporting visual effects in a photo real feature. So this would be, I, I would say, things like Arrival, um, things like yep. what we were talking about before, too, even with Ex Machina potentially uh, would fall into this category. And for that, they gave it to uh, Deepwater Horizon. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I mean, I don't dislike the film, but again, I was just, um, it's its um, batting stronger than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's a bad film or anything, I just, it's batting stronger than I thought it would. Um, yeah, I was interested though when we looked at um, uh, like photorealistic characters, just because that's something that we've been discussing quite a lot in this. I think I'm right in saying that in characters, um, uh, it was... Uh, King Louis, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jungle Book, which is interesting, right? Because uh, you know, there there was no mention there of um, uh, of Rogue One. Yeah, so. and it's it's so it's like they're going for something a little bit different. Uh, I guess maybe the the VES maybe didn't have, or maybe it did have somewhat of a. Uh, tepid, well, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't want to place too much value judgment on it, but they just had a different response to the photoreal human work um, than they did to the photoreal animals. Um, I think those were somehow, they didn't have the same um, uh, trepidation. But Matt, Leonard, the uh, film went very well, Jungle Book, in compositing for photoreal, um, in uh, simulation, in like just about everything that it it John well could, um, though your uh, environment work was, went to Doctor Strange. But, um, yeah, any surprises for you? And, and do you think that the VES is going to be a good indicator of what's going to happen at the um, Oscars? I, I think so, yeah. I think it often is. And, and as you said at, um, at the beginning of the show, I think, the VES is, is obviously the, the people doing the work as opposed to actors or, or directors looking at it. So I think... It's it's definitely a good indicator, and it almost feels, it almost feels like a more, I don't know, a, I would prefer to be up for a VES award, I think, than an Oscar, because it feels like if you're nominated, you're being nominated by your peers, and therefore they kind of understand what you're doing. Well, one of the things that I thought was was interesting, I, I mentioned, uh, funny in a funny way, f- the fact that Finding Dory wasn't in there, it actually does appear in uh, the VES awards as a. Um, outstanding performance in an animated feature for the uh, for Hank the uh, the octopus, mm-hmm. uh, which which I thought was just superb animation. If you look at it and and see the range of movements that's taking place, and think inside of that, there's probably some kind of skeleton. And how does that how does that work and stay in in one shape? It's it's very interesting. So I'm I'm really pleased that they they saw um, how complicated probably that um, setup was for. Um, 
for finding Dory for that character. So I was very pleased with that. But yeah, as you've said, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Jungle Book in here um, for some really great things. Obviously, simulation was huge, and again, Star Wars, as Matt said earlier, had a huge simulation scene in it. So I, th- I think it's good. I think they've really gone with the Jungle Book this year, and and probably uh, well deserving as well. Well, all will be revealed on uh, Monday, US time, Tuesday, my time, because I live in the future here in Australia. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt, where can people reach you if they want to tweet you during the event or, uh, or follow you to complain about your predictions? I am going to be on the Twitters. I'm hoping it's this, Matt, um, as uh, Matt D. Leonard. And um, I will be tweeting through the Oscars, hopefully with many um, smiley faces and not too many, ah, I went to the wrong place. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Matt Wallen? Oh, uh, I'm always uh, on Twitter at Matt Wallen or on my website, um, mattwallen.com. And uh, I want to give a special thanks to Matt uh, Wallen, who uh, has been taking over an increasingly large role here on the uh, the uh, the show. So thanks, Matt. We do appreciate that. It really makes a huge difference oh, to me as I'm. It's my pleasure. It's actually it's been really fun. I I've, uh, I apologize for any uh, odd uh, blips and bleeps or uh, weak mixing, but uh, I'm getting better at it. I was never a real no. audio guy, but uh, I've I've been learning the ropes of. Uh, audio editing which has actually been really fun for me so yeah <laughs> my yeah, pleasure. Well, we do appreciate it so thanks so much and matt thanks so much for hanging in uh this week uh and taking over one of our uh chairs we uh, we do appreciate it. it's great to hear that you're at ilm so congratulations on that indeed thank you so um, much and uh thank you guys for listening to us and uh, supporting the show we really do appreciate it hopefully your predictions are in sync with ours if not um hopefully we'll <laughs> one of us will uh will go well on the night in the uh in the pool ballot and uh, offers a water cooler kind of um, sweepstakes. But uh, until next time, I'm Mike Seymour. Thanks so much for being with us. See you guys. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at vfx at fxguide.com. Copyright FX Guide, LLC.